Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. Today I'm playing excerpts of a panel I hosted recently at the ATARC Mobility Summit. My guests on the panel were Renetta Spinks, the Cyber Technology Officer for the Marine Corps, David Harris, a Security Architect for the Interior Department, and Gemma Hal, an IT Security Engineer at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. First, we hear from David Harris from the Interior Department, and then from Renetta Spinks of the Marine Corps. I've been working with FMG for a bit, and before the Federal Mobility Group, and before that, um, as you may have heard earlier, it was sort of the combining the uh, Mobile Technology Tiger Team with the Mobile Service Category Team, which were two organizations that were sort of working group operations working groups that were in operation, um, and it was um, a great idea in DHS, um, sponsored by the CIO Council, to combine those into one entity because there was just so many opportunities now for uh, collaboration across those communities. One, um, you know, just working really in sort of the nitty-gritty with uh, mobile device security, and the other taking um, sort of a good comprehensive uh, perspective on carrier cost and you know opportunities for the government to uh, save money. What about the Federal Mobile Working Group? We heard a good kind of um, a good update earlier from from a couple of other panelists. Are you a part of a specific uh, subsection of the working group? Like, what are you working on specifically? Presently, I'm working on mobility metrics that all of the uh, CIOs across the government have to report on a quarterly basis. Uh, we have a working group comprised of industry and government. ATARC provides logistical support and for the activities and transpires with our group. We make recommendations for current metrics and we kind of look at what's going on across government and industry, looking at um, mobility, threats to mobility, and make plans for uh, future um, metrics. Are you able to talk a little bit through those metrics a little bit? Sure. All right. So like a metric to me is how many mobile devices you have. Is that a good metric? If we were just brand new and hit it and we're around the table, that would be up there at the top of the whiteboard. We would start (laughs) there, right? But we're not new. (laughs) So these um, past metrics are available on on the uh, federal uh, website for the public. So you can kind of see the history of of past metrics and that, yeah, that's sort of a, a starting point. We know agencies and departments have MDM programs, the mobile device management programs, and sort of the new thing that's sort of hitting is we're trying to mature mobile device management practices. So we're looking at mobile threat defense technologies, application vetting, um, all of the things that we've kind of heard earlier today. You know, securing mobile devices is sort of a, is kind of very different from securing traditional desktops. Um, there's, uh, it's just a, it's just a, a different animal, if you will. You kind of have an always-on internet connection that kind of you have to think about. For our agency, we we have a lot of um, field deployment, so maybe we don't always have always-on um, internet connections because we may be operating in, in, well, usually we're in low-bandwidth environments, but sometimes we're in no-bandwidth environments, so 
Um, we still may have some mission work we need to do before we kind of reconnect to the connected world. So the metrics working group is, um, you know, we have a great group, and if anyone's in there in industry or government that's looking to join, we meet every month, and um, it's, uh, I think we have a lot of great things that we're going to we're going to um, push forward with. All right, good. That's, you see, we learned something. I didn't know there was metrics. <laughs> Renata, talk about the Marine Corps. Uh, good morning, everyone. So Marine Corps is working on a lot of things in the mobility. Um, we call them strategic partnerships that we're looking at trying to establish. So our working groups are kind of sort of referred to as OPTs, and so they're um, operational planning teams. Uh, some of the challenges and um, problems that we're trying to solve is um, a myriad of things. But our favorite one is anything that can provide more service on the garrison side as well as the tactical. So um, as we look at how do we support our naval counterparts and, and that mission to make sure that the fleet has what it needs, that's mobility. You have a ship that's always on the go. You have sailors that we need to keep the morale up so they can continue to communicate with their families. Um, we also have to um, address the pacing threat of while we definitely want open communication with family, friends, being able to stay adept with um, new technologies, go to school, um, watch the YouTube videos and do a lot of um, continuous learning. We also have um, to consider how much risk we want to accept. And so that's a lot of the challenges that we are um, consistently looking for industry to help us uh, try to fig figure out. Um, part of that challenge, um, problem solving, Strategic approach is the establishment of the Deputy Commandant of Information for the United States Marine Corps. That is um, currently a position within the Marine Corps that's still pretty pretty young compared to how um, old the Marine Corps is, but it's a very uh, important position because that Deputy Commandant of Information is the person who advocates across the Marine Corps during these OPTs. We are just finishing up a working group with DISA and Apple um, we are looking at iPhones. Right now we're currently wearing, uh, using Sam Samsungs. Uh, a lot of challenges with Samsung, Android. I'm pretty sure everyone is familiar with that. We're all in the security realm. So we're looking at how can we uh, better utilize the design from an engineering perspective. So we spend a lot of time going out to California actually on the Apple campus. Some people think it is a vacation. I will tell you it is not. <laughs> we are in the room working. My eyes are just glossing over at how much um, the engineers are really forward thinking and some of the things that we in the Department of Defense don't really have all the answers for. Um, and sometimes we're not even thinking about those challenges. So that's one area that um, I wanted to highlight to everyone today. We um, are looking at midpoints and endpoint security tools and how we can look at how um, how modernization truly transforms the way we do business in the Marine Corps and the Navy. So um, trying to get away from the buzzwords and get away, you know, just get to action and actually um, having results. So how do we modernize while what I like to call keep the lights on? We still have business operations going consistently. So, so how can we do those things? So those are two working groups I definitely wanted to highlight. So it's interesting that you guys are looking to, to move What's the end result from the, the Apple DISA working group? Are you hoping to make recommendations to the Commandant to say we should move in, in a specific direction or just open the aperture a little bit to say not only Samsung phones, but we have other options now too? 
or so we're all of the above? <laughs> so we're taking a two-pronged approach. We definitely like to have options, and our options do uh, result into recommendations to the commandant. Those recommendations address not only metrics, like um, our, my counterpart Davey here just talked about discovering what's on the network, why that's important um, to security, as well as cost. Everyone knows we uh, are incurring all kinds of budget cuts, so it's not about what the money we have is doing for us, it's how we're spending it. We're trying to make sure that return of investment gets us, um, gets us to where we need to be with the right, um, the right amount of risk that we're willing to accept. So it's a two-prone approach that turns into um, advocacy for more funding to, to focus on mobility and figuring out the security versus throwing a bunch of tools at um, a problem, uh, looking at automation, so um, it, it comes from recommendations of having options, but also with these options, here's the level of risk we're accepting and then asking him for his decision on, you know, where do you want to see the service go? So, so that's actually it's interesting because a lot of people would say, well, don't you know what's on your network and don't you know how much you're spending? And I think one of the biggest challenges that the military services face is there's this kind of confluence of, of yeah, we handed out a lot of devices, and we know most of them, but there's also the personal device, and is, is that kind of what you're going through right now, is, is to really get, get, get that baseline? So we're not quite yet at bring your own device. It's something yeah. we are thinking about, but um, the enumeration of the network is, is complicated because we do have um, multiple networks. We're still um, looking at domain consolidation and elimination. We're looking at that data center consolidation. We have a lot of mandates that are necessary but in order to make sure you're meeting the mail you have to actually enumerate your network and sometimes there's some there's some dark spots depending on on where you're trying to look you're surprised a little bit sometimes it is very surprising we have to take a break you just heard from renetta spinks the cyber technology officer for the marine corps and before her was david harris the security architect at the interior department they were on a panel i moderated at the recent atark mobility summit I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I hosted recently at the ATARC Mobility Summit. My guests on the panel were Renetta Spinks, the Cyber Technology Officer for the Marine Corps, David Harris, a Security Architect for the Interior Department, and Gemma Hal, an IT Security Engineer at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. In this part of the show, you first hear from Gemma Hall of NIST, and then the audience asks the panel questions. I am the NIST co-chair on the Federal Mobility Group. And then what you may not know is that, that NIST does more than write standards. Uh, actually, uh, just recently, I'm going to say we do more than write, and then I'm going to talk about a document that we just came out. But, but the document is 1800-21, and it's mobile device security for uh, corporately owned and personally enabled devices. And what we did was, yes, we, we wrote information about it, but we actually worked with industry uh, and got some commercially available tools in-house uh, to kind of put the standards to work. Uh, and so what we did initially was we we went through a risk assessment process, and actually this was uh, one of our first times actually going through the privacy risk assessment process as well, using their methodology, the PRAM. Uh, and we took the threats and uh, privacy concerns identified 
bundled that with meeting the government standards, uh, reached out, collaborated with, uh, with industry, got some mobile device security tools in-house, and then we, we showed how you can mitigate uh, specific threats within your enterprise when doing this corporately owned, personally enabled kind of deployment within your organization. Uh, and so we recently put that out. It kind of walks through the process of what we did, uh, how you could do it within your own organization. And then we also have a follow-up document that kind of goes through something similar, but from a BYOD standpoint. Uh, and also in that, in that practice guide, we'll demonstrate how to use the cybersecurity, cybersecurity framework profile kind of aspect. How do you step through that? What does that look like? And then how do you incorporate the mobile security technologies to mitigate uh, your concerns there? Now, to be clear, the corporate device, that's just bring it to a government speak, that's a government furnished device? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, but the BYOD one is not out yet. Right. That's coming. Right. All right. And, and it's interesting that you guys, you said, you said brought in privacy for the first time. And I know that's been a big push from uh, NIST to, to add privacy, it's different sections of privacy, 853 and, and some of the other devices. What did that add complexity to the, the test? Did the privacy piece do what, like how, what difference did it make versus just regular security testing, if you will? It definitely brought to our attention a different aspect. So what we did was we actually talked with each of the vendors about the different privacy capabilities that they offered. And what are they doing with the data? How do they handle the data? What user information do they get? Do they store it? How do they dispose of it? Uh, it's something that we, we don't typically think about as far as the, the user's perspective and how these different technologies handle it. And so it, it, it gave us more insight into that and we, it, it started a different conversation and it was very cool, a very cool process to go through. Because <laughs> right. I know privacy over the years has been one of those things where, you know, security and privacy, but then it kind of gets, not, I wouldn't say left out, but it's, it's kind of like gets pushed underneath. And I know NIST has really been a big advocate of bringing it to the uh, higher level. So, Definitely. all right. Let's start with questions. All right, let them know who you are, please. All right. Morning. Uh, I am Lieutenant Kenny Miltenberger, U.S. Coast Guard. So uh, my question is for Renita, and I was wondering if you could expand upon the Marine Corps' uh, efforts to bring mobility to the tactical edge. Uh, so those, the applications and the devices specifically of what are you enabling at the tactical edge and what are your challenges? So that's a great question. Um, I'll start with the challenges first. So the challenges that we face right now is how do you continue to have um, a persistent connection while maining securely in a degraded environment? So right now we have a pilot that's going on. Um, it's vendor specific, but it is an um, application that is widely used. And we've, we've had challenges with Certain things is identity and access management, um, capturing profiles from the business side into this degraded environment without losing the authenticity or the privacy security piece. Um, so that's one challenge. The second challenge is just getting a thing to work. We get over the hurdles of identity, domain name controllers. Okay, we're 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 either you know single tenant, multi tenant. We get past all those challenges, and then it doesn't work. You know, and so um, from a combatant command perspective up at Marfor Cyber, we work with Fleet Cyber a lot. And, and so some of those challenges are easily met with impatience. 
So, so while, while we like to concentrate on technical complexities as our challenges, I think one large piece is getting over the expectation and being realistic that this is not something we can figure out because the industry is still trying to help us, help us figure it out as well. Um, some of the things we have enabled is we do have mobility in certain areas um, within our garrison um, networks, a lot of our um, degraded environments or um, areas that, um, like in, at 3MEF out in um, Okinawa, we, we do have what we call a mix-in that is deployed. Mix-in is the Marine Corps Enterprise Network. So that is consistently being run and there's multiple exercises. So we're looking for, for that team of um, metrics as well as the people who are kind of hands on the ground to push us back to say, here, here's some of the things we're experiencing, here's some of the things we're getting over. But then it's, okay, when all that goes away, what happens? And so that, that, I think that's gonna be the deal breaker there. I hope I answered your question. All right, David, I'm gonna um, put you on the spot, so I'm gonna give you a minute to think about the same, the same question because Interior also has very similar challenges with the degraded environment. But I have a follow-up for Renata real quick. Uh, you talked about the pilot without going into too many details. It, the, the goal is, is to test the application, like where? You said degraded environment. When I think of uh, Garrison, for instance, CONUS, how degraded can it be, right? I mean, uh, but when I think of if the Marines are in the Middle East somewhere, well, that, that may be a, that's a bigger degraded environment. So can you go through the test a little bit? Like, I don't know how sensitive it gets to be. So from our test and evaluation perspective, there are three things we're testing. We're testing bandwidth, we're testing capability, and we're testing does the thing work. <laughs> and so there are multiple areas that the military can be that can spin up those type of exercises. Um, so without going into detail, we are testing true environments. Um, okay. and, and we do get feedback. And then we also take advantage of creating environments through simulations. So sometimes in a lab, you can disconnect everything and still get some of the same questions answered without needing the, the actual physical environment from a um, climate change perspective. Very good. David, put you on the spot, just a little bit from Interior's perspective, but you guys are doing the similar thing to, as the Marine Corps with the, with the low bandwidth environments? So with Interior, we, we have a, a very diverse set of different bureaus that are doing things, Bureau of Land Management, um, Geological Survey, Bureau of Reclamation, they deal with uh, water um, out, out in the West. And so a lot of these environments where we have personnel operating, it's, it's very low bandwidth, um, sparse communications capabilities. We have folks at kind of monitoring hazards such as uh, volcanoes, and they're, they're close to those volcanoes. We don't have a lot of infrastructure there. So um, from a mobile device perspective, we may have sensors and whatnot that'll where our mobile devices can connect and, and, and collect data that, you know, when they get back to the connected world, they can, they can push out. And, you know, with our sort of first-generation security products for um, mobile devices, they kind of you know, assume that you always had this connected state, and um, they, you know, those would be the first folks, these remote areas, they would be the first folks to call and say, hey, OCIO, um, you know, this thing is not, I'm not cutting it. Um, Renata was saying, you know, stuff doesn't work. <laughs> And so there's a lot of challenges with those low bandwidth environments. And I 
did want to touch on one thing that um, you had mentioned earlier about uh, privacy, um, just a little off topic just for a quick second. Um, sometimes things are coming at you from privacy that you don't even expect. Um, I think I was reading um, a couple of weeks ago about there was an attack where the accelerometer of your mobile device was used to monitor the vibrations of, of human speech and these you know, a file was um, collected and, you know, maybe pushed out via some malware to a foreign point where that file could be operated on um, using, you know, all kinds of powerful uh, cloud-enabled algorithms and processes to map that accelerometer sensing of, of, of speech and convert it into um, text so that uh, the voice could be... Um, you know, the conversation could be understood. So, you know, there's, you know, the misuse of, of sensors for mobile devices and and having that privacy now, as I think you mentioned, 853, the Rev5 controls, having that as, as being more prominent of things you need to worry about with protection in the mobile space is just, it's just good timing. As I was sitting here thinking, like, oh, there are some things that we have been doing at location-specific. Um, so a lot of the testing and, and um, problems we're trying to solve, those answers are coming from the um, UCOM. So in, in Europe, a lot of, so um, if you probably remember a few tweets back in a couple months ago, we had some teams out in Norway. And so we got a lot of data that came from there, and we also, um, one new working group I just thought about is our sensor modernization. I'm still, still from you. But we do have a sensor modernization project that's coming up um, right now that we are actually looking for um, ways we can put more sensors out and then that data analytics piece and, and how do you determine what data you're going to be, you know, pulling in and how, um, how important that is uh, before we, we uh, actually deploy our Marines. We have to take a break. You just heard from Gemma Howell, an IT security engineer at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. She was on a panel I moderated at the ATARC Mobility Summit. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to a special edition of Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent ATARC Mobility Summit. My guests on the panel were Renetta Spinks, the Cyber Technology Officer from the Marine Corps, David Harris, a Security Architect for the Interior Department, and Gemma Howell, an IT Security Engineer at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. In this part of the show, the audience continues to ask questions of the panel. Carla de Guzman, uh, Air Force Logistics Cybersecurity. My question is for Gemma. So as you were writing 1821, how did you demark the endpoint from its enterprise, like MDM or EMM? And uh, how did you define that in the market? And also for BYOD, as you define that, what is your main focus aside from privacy? How did we kind of separate from the on the, on the email aspect? Is that what you're the, how did you separate the endpoint from the enterprise? Oh yes, EMM. Define a security level, and but you don't want to define everything from soup to nuts. You probably want to demarket at some point. So maybe maybe if I explain kind of the architecture, that might 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 get to it a little better. Uh, so what we did was um, we did use an EMM. So we enrolled all the devices within an EMM, uh, and then we had different integrations. Uh, 
with that. So an application vetting tool to um, vet the apps that the enterprise would be using, a mobile threat defense uh, on the endpoint standpoint, uh, VPN uh, running back and forth, also uh, integrated and applied uh, through, through the EMM. And so we enforce a lot of policies and things like that through the EMM. And I think I'm missing something, sorry. Here, hold <laughs> this on. Is the second one. I had to get a new microphone because, you know, I used it all up. <laughs> what is your second question? The second question is, as you do BYOD, what is the import, most important aspect of security that you're focusing on besides privacy? So that's interesting. For, for, for BYOD, we really wanted to demonstrate a different risk profile. And so the... COPE, or the, the corporately owned, personally enabled deployment, uh, we took from kind of like a government standpoint. So the EMM is hosted on premise. Uh, from the BYOD standpoint, this is a, a smaller company, an accounting firm that still has some information that they want to want to protect, but they're able to use cloud services. Uh, and so what, right now what we're doing is we're scoping the, we, we come up with these fictional organizations to help scope the story. And so we're using that to develop this different risk profile. How do you handle cloud services? How do you handle um, these devices that aren't your own, that, that people are bringing in? How do you run checks to see if they're jailbroken and things like that? So we're, we're, we're still working through that and trying to understand, based on this fictional organization, what are the specific risks and things that they have to think about. Can I ask you a question to follow up on the BYOD? Was there an impetus for that? Was it something that agencies or organizations were requesting NIST to do? Or is that just where NIST is kind of looking three to five years from now, everyone's going to be in BYOD, let's get in front of it? Well, we took it as was a, a, a common use case. The, the most common deployments uh, seem to be the corporately owned and the BYOD, especially from the kind of smaller business aspect where folks may not have the money to, to, prov to provide the phones. They may just allow users to use their own phone in some aspects, especially I, I do a lot of work with public safety as well. And so especially from that aspect where they don't necessarily have the funding to provide phones to everyone, uh, they may just uh, deploy, find different methods to de deploy the necessary apps and things to their first responders. I thought you were going to get down the path of derived credentials. I was very excited for half a second. I thought we were going to talk. <laughs> Two-factor authentication with derived credentials in your, here we go. Question over here. How much research or how much work have you done for public-facing apps and uh, integrations for security around those sorts of things? This is for Gemma or for all of them? Gemma. Okay. <laughs> so as far as uh, public-facing apps, uh, we do a lot Previously, I did a lot of work with application vetting and uh, the different processes and different tools that could be used to perform, to do application vetting, kind of understanding what this application does. Is it encrypting data in transit and things like that? Doing that analysis up front before provisioning that app to the device and then having a way to monitor what apps are being used by the folks within your enterprise and organization. Beyond that, uh, not too much from my perspective, but there are other folks in the application vetting space or mobile app vetting space who are working on that, uh, especially in the public safety area. And actually, let's expand that question a little bit. David and, and Renata, are you guys, how are you guys dealing with mobile apps within your agencies or within the Federal Mobility Working Group? Because obviously we've seen Homeland Security Department, for instance, come up with their car wash program several years ago. Uh, we've seen the CIO Council come up with mobile app vetting playbooks or at least some sort of recommendations. How are you guys dealing with the, the commercial apps in, within your organizations? In terms of um, apps for mobile devices, at least for our 
organization. We're not that mature with um, provisioning apps out there. Our mobile devices are, we do a lot with um, messaging and data collection. Data collection, you know, we're, uh, we might have people out in the parks taking pictures of um, endangered species. We have a lot of GPS-based applications where we're just recording um, um, pictures and, and, and where they are, or, you know, that data is uh, very important. So we kind of use sort of the native apps that are, that are on the phone. Um, of course, email and messaging is sort of our, our, our main uh, bread and butter applications for mobile for right now. So we're just kind of starting to get more engaged with application development. I think we've been working with GSA and their 18th and F, some of the organizations that have been uh, derived from that sort of startup organization in terms of getting, uh, getting more mission-focused applications. So Marine Corps has a uh, chief technology officer, Jen Edgens. She's DCI's war room um, lead. And they just finished up the accelerator program for uh, mobility. And, and during that study for that working group, that was a 12, 12, 10 to 12 week sprint using, using more um, of the agile um, scaled framework that, that, that's pretty effective when you're trying to do the uh, problem solving or design thinking. But what came out of that was this work personal profile. And so what work personal went to capture was, although we have government furnished equipment, which is the Samsung devices, we had to truly depend on, okay, how is it that with Samsung, you have to use you know, your Gmail account, right? And so, of course, to even set the phone up, that's what we had to make a decision. Do we make that a .gov mandate, which is the challenge with the Apple working group, or do we allow the at gmail.com to come inside of our environment or our network? And then we use this mobile app called um, Knox. I think you probably have all um, heard of it. And so um, that study was pretty, um, pretty eye-opening. That document is um, releasable, so I can make sure that people have access to that. Um, just have to remind me. But, but making sure that um, that work personal profile is, is the very first step to how do we um, achieve that um, bring your own device. That's, that's the end goal. And so, of course, as the Chief Technology Officer of the Marine Corps, Jen Edgens is, is more of how do, we, um, how do we use tools and how do we automate and how, we do, how do we um, use that risk profile and the NIST standards to make sure we're following all the privacy guidelines as well as architecture and design. And then you have more for a cyber who comes into the room and starts talking Intel informed. You know, have we really done the research to know that um, there are certain uh, vulnerabilities that have been exposed from different parts of your network. And so how do we coalesce and how do we get that happy balance and that happy medium? Um, so, so to answer your question, we are still in the process of doing the research, but we are approaching it more of industry standards are easy to find. It's the Intel piece that's most difficult to figure out. How do you maintain the high level of clearance the information is at while bringing um, this new capability into the environment for your users? And just one more thing, um, just on the, something that we, we heard about a lot from the security and privacy standpoint is that, um, you know, how do I know what these apps are doing? And so we got a lot of um, feedback and thoughts on, you know, the situation where the troops overseas had this app that was tracking their location, and you can kind of see where they were running their, their paths, and so 
how can I get that information? How can I ensure that the folks that are using these devices don't, don't have those types of apps and those, adding that particular risk to uh, their own situation into the organization. So we definitely point, point out uh, different ways to mitigate things like that. We have to take a break. Today I'm playing an excerpt of a panel I moderated at the ATOC Mobility Summit. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. Today, I'm playing excerpts of a panel I moderated at the recent ATRAC Mobility Summit. My guests on the panel were Renetta Spinks, the Cyber Technology Officer from the Marine Corps, David Harris, a security architect for the Interior Department, and Gemma Hal, an IT security engineer at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. In this part of the show, the audience continues to ask questions of the panel. All of your devices on one network, mm-hmm. do they co-mingle together? Or do you separate your BYOD from your government issue? Bringing in your own device, you're more susceptible to having more risk, more so than that government device, because that's um, a pre-staged device. So just... Right. Yeah, so we do segment it out. Um, so we do uh, apply containers, make sure that that separation is there between the personal information on the device and the enterprise information and how that is able to communicate back and forth with the enterprise. So with um, Marine Corps, we're still maturing. We, we still haven't made a, um, a business decision on BYOD, but at a previous agency, um, some past experience, it was segmented. We did not mix. We did not uh, co-mingle, as, as you would say, as well as we um, added a lot more scrutiny to our continuous monitoring program. So a lot of different architectural designs for the, the BYOD users. The um, end-user license agreement was different. The rules of behavior was different. It, it was a whole program within itself, just for the fact that you have pre-staged, we kind of know the risk there, the risk is known-known, versus BYOD, that's a luxury, in my opinion. In order to have luxury, you have to pay a bigger price to, um, for the rules of behavior. David, BYOD is you know, such a challenge. Provenance of the BYOD device, right? Where did it come from? Um, with the, what we call GFE, government furnished equipment, we have a little more control over the provenance. Maybe GFE is out and COP is in, corporately owned, personally enabled, right? So maybe I'm a little old school there talking about the GFE. But for interior, we do a container type um, solution where your corporate data or your government data is in the container and then the user's world is, is external to it. If there's an online connectivity, if we need to wipe that container, we can wipe that container. But that's kind of where, where we are with that. But we see BYOD growing and there's so many security challenges that um, need to additionally be considered, and there's a, a lot of good work going on to, to address those challenges. And when you wrote, if there's a problem and you're wiping the container, you're just wiping the container, you're not wiping David's entire phone. Right, because we have to kind of brief our users on, on what the deal is when they get this container, and if they heard that we could hit a button and their stuff is gone, we wouldn't have any customers for that service. So it's just wiping the, uh, the government space. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so as far as um, the National Security Agency, we take the phone. 
You do a full um, forensics investigation. That's not BYOD because we don't have phones in our facilities, but sometimes people make mistakes. They bring the phone in, et cetera. Our scanners pick them up and you know, you get the question of, do you have a phone with you? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, sometimes it is, um, it is a challenge because of insider threat. So you just can't take things for granted. So we do confiscate the phone. Those are things that when you sign up for um, the cyber services, you agree to that knowledge. It goes through a full mobile forensics investigation and once that, once your device has been cleared, you get it back. Um, and I will, in all transparency, say, I don't think we stop and back up stuff or, yeah, we don't do any of that. We just do our job and then just hand the phone back to the user. Okay, another question. How do you communicate to the customers that they're not really owners of their device, in essence that you're controlling their device to, to some extent? So I, I wouldn't say we would control their devices, but there's a lot of um, professionals called strategic communicators. We hire them because making sure your end user understands we're providing them a service that right. most, most times in your employee satisfaction survey or what we call our climate surveys, that's what people are asking for. And so it's more of like road shows, town halls, um, engaging one-on-one -on -one with the users. And that rules of behavior document, I've written a few of those and they are very explicit. It's really not as resistant as probably people think. I have actually had the experience of uh, the user saying, oh, okay, I don't care, I'm not doing anything wrong on my phone, that's fine, I'd rather just take one phone than two, or in my case, three. So it's not as, it's not as a hard sell um, once you are very transparent with the risk. And then there's a lot of different things that we don't allow within our applications. I, I haven't met any resistance until something happens. Now, when something happens, the rules of behavior document that they sign, you know, tends to get selective amnesia that that document even exists. <laughs> and so those are the times we implore our strategic communication team um, and the, the privacy office. And we just kind of make sure that we're engaging with HR to make sure that we aren't making a mistake as technologists because we're not the professionals. So I would just urge as we are um, doing all this mobility study, these VPNs and all these great things that we want to do as technology emerges and we want to make things a little easier for the user, that we also loop in your privacy office and, and HR because sometimes we can start violating people's civility and, and their rights. And that's just all honesty. All right, another question? Carl DeGuzman, uh, Air Force. This is for David and Renata. I think it's hard to talk about mobile functionality without talking about also cloud interaction. Do you guys have any issues with FedRAMP and the DoD Cloud SRG and trying to use either mobile, uh, I mean SaaS, MDMs, EMMs, or other purposes like Box or whatever you need to, to make your mobile solution complete? You wanna go first or you want me? Yeah, I'll start with that. So mobile devices and, and cloud and FedRAMP and file cloud storage services like, like Box, right? So that's all kind of problematic just right there. And then in the earlier session, we heard a reference to challenges with the TIC, with the Trusted Internet Connection and mobility traffic. So let's, let's just add that to the mix. So things are being done now. I believe Ms. Wynn alluded to new guidance that's going to be coming out from OMB sort of final guidance. That's, and, you know, guidance plus 
the architectural way forward for um, how to manage traffic going out from mobile devices, uh, flexibilities that are that may be um, allowed because you know the, the landscape kind of changed on what we thought we were going to need to have control over. So you're talking more about the file storage or the the well oh yeah well so for the EMM yeah that's definitely the way forward in terms of uh, cloud-based security um, services and it's good that the FedRAMP program has kind of um, been underway for a good while it's kind of had um, several iterations of, of review and refinement. So it's really at a good point. Um, it's not like a mobile device vendor is, is you know, knocking on GSA's door trying to get information on FedRAMP and, and they say, oh, you know, we just kind of just did it. You know, it's like kind of been there, done that. So there's a lot of efficiencies that are in place now that were a result of lessons learned. So I think the adoption of, or even better, maybe the time to market for um, mobile device security companies to have a FedRAMP uh, cloud part of their, of their um, product is going to be a shorter time for them to get there. But we, we do like the, the FedRAMP because it's a nice common security uh, baseline that you already know what's going to be. And, and of course, um, in terms of an authorization, there's always... Um, you know, uh, tailoring of, of a baseline to uh, suit your uh, risk appetite. That's all the time we have for today. On the show, I played excerpts of a panel I hosted recently at the ATARC Mobility Summit. My guests on that panel were Renetta Spinks, the Cyber Technology Officer for the Marine Corps, David Harris, a Security Architect for the Interior Department, and Gemma Hal, an IT Security Engineer at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Ask the CIO on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 